because we would have to stick, you know. Hey, can you fix that curtain right there? We don't want people looking in. Amen. Amen. Take your Bibles. Go to Luke. Luke chapter 15. What was the name of that song, that last one y'all played? Zion's Hill? Okay. That's a good song. Amy, you better watch out. <laughs> Luke 15, down in verse 12. This is a, it's an old story. It's a, the parable of the uh, two sons, the prodigal, but uh, just a little bit different. It says, and the younger son and the younger of them said, actually go to verse 11. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to the father, Father, give me the portion of goods that followeth to me. And he divided them uh, his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with righteous living. Father, thank you for your blessings this morning. Thank you for the, the song service this morning, the specials. Lord, what a blessing they all are. Lord, thank you for a little church, Lord, with uh, young people that still want to learn and older people who still uh, have an input. Uh, Lord, what a blessing it is just to be around the body of believers, Lord, that uh, can flourish and grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Bless this message this morning. Father, if there's anybody in here that doesn't know you as their personal Savior, I just hope, pray that you'd open their eyes today. And, and Lord, for the rest of us, that we just get a little bit closer, as always, Father, to you each day. As the, every day draws a little bit closer to you coming back, getting us. Lord, today could be the day, Lord. And if it's not, just help us to continue on until that day arrives. Father, again, thank you for your blessings today. Bless the, the service, and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, the story here is about uh, the, a father and his two sons. And, and if you go back to Jesus is telling the story, but back at the very first part of chapter 15, uh, he's sitting there and he says, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners uh, to hear him. And there's one thing that I think we're lacking in a lot of churches today is the people come, they need to hear about Jesus Christ. And there's some things about Jesus Christ we need to hear about, that we need to know about. Uh, we don't need to just hear about love, 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 love all the time, which it is love, love, love. There is judgment and condemnation along with that. And the Lord is sitting here and he's trying to tell, and one you'll find out a lot of times that people will get envious when somebody else is trying to do something for the Lord. Uh, I, instead of being envious, you ought to be thankful for that. Hey, there's been, we uh, started a brother, uh, Jim, the other day, the missionary was here. And he's been doing a lot of stuff over in Scotland. He's trying to get us to come over there. And if he's trying to get you to come to Scotland, you come talk to me before you go. Uh, Scotland's a good place to go, but, 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 but this is a good place to be too. So the, the, the father's sitting here and, and these publicans came good. And it said, verse 2, and the Pharisees and the scribes murmured. Uh, there's people that always get mad when somebody else is trying to do what God wants them to do. Uh, and, and you'd wonder why. So Jesus starts telling some stories, and he said, and he spake a parable, and that's a story. He says, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go? You know what? That's a true statement. He would leave the ninety nine. They're safe. I'm going to go find the one. Uh, he's, he's telling you this story to get you down. That's a sheep. If a man would do that to his sheep... Uh, verse says, and uh, verse six said, and when he cometh home, he called his uh, together his friends and neighbors and said to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found the sheep which was lost. Uh, you know, the Lord's always trying to find those. He said he came to seek 
that which was lost. That was Matthew 18, 11. Over in Luke, he says he came to seek and save that which was lost. He's not just seeking you. He's trying to get you into heaven. Uh, and if you're, not, if you're not sure that you're going to heaven today, today would be a great day to make that sure. That young man in jail today, I'll tell you what, he probably may have had a really good, happy day. And uh, he's going to have a happy eternity now. I can tell you that right now. Down in verse 8, it says, Either what woman having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one, uh, does not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently till she find it. And when she had found it, she called her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the piece which I have lost. That's a piece of money. And he goes, and somebody would spend that kind of time and rejoice over that. He goes, but there's something more to rejoice over. Because verse 7, he says, and I say unto you, Christ saying this, that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons which have no need of repentance. Verse 10, likewise about the coin, I say unto you, there shall be joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. You know what the Lord is looking for is somebody to repent. First of all, you got to know you're a sinner. Man, I tell you what the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You know what God's looking for today is a sinner. And he's looking for somebody who knows they're a sinner. And somebody that will admit they're a sinner and that he can do something with them. Then he gets off into this story about this young man. This young man, this man had two sons. The father had two sons. Uh, both of them were, were nice. But the younger, the younger thought he'd seen something greater on the outside. The younger took his portion and headed for the city. It says, uh, as I was reading that through, it says, and he went and joined himself, verse 15, he went and joined himself to a city of that country, and he sent him into the fields. Well, let me go back a little bit. Verse 13, not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with righteous living. And when he had spent all, and there arose a mighty famine in the land, he, and he began to be in want. He went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the field to feed the swine. And he would fain have filled the belly, his belly uh, with the husk of the swine that the swine did eat, and no man gave uh, unto him. And when he came to himself, uh, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to spare, and, per and I perish with hunger? Father, again, thank you for the message. Bless it now, and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Number one, I'd like to say the younger son took his portion. Headed for the city. You know, they always say the grass is greener on the other side. It really isn't. And if it is, there's something over there making it greener, and you're going to have a lawnmower to cut it. Uh, there's always something. You never get by with just having fun without spending money or doing everything else. This young man heads to the city, and he thinks he's got it, and he really don't. He spent all of his money on righteous living. I've learned lessons during my life, my short little life. I'm 65 years old. Uh, my dad probably taught me one of the greatest lessons of my life starting me out uh, when he played a single game of pool with me one time, and he beat the tar out of me, and i never seen him pick up a pool cue in his life. And I've told this story before, but that is a story worth repeating. Uh, you go out here in this world, and you think that you know something, and I'm telling you, what, there's, there's somebody smarter than you. Amen. And my dad was an old drunk, and that guy, I mean, I thought I was a great pool player, and that guy smoked me, man. I mean, he, he didn't just smoke me. He, he just humiliated me. My dad, my dad loved me really a uh, whole lot. <laughs> Uh, he, he ran a table. I broke eight ball. He let me break. He, he let me set the game up. What game do you want to play, Mike? Never seen him pick up a pool cue in his life. He said, what do you want to play? I said, eight ball. He, anything. I think anything, he'd have been just as adequate in anything. Uh, I said, let's play eight ball. I broke, nothing fell. He ran the table. That means there is, there's 15 balls on the table at this point. 
They're all over the place. They're hiding behind each other. He was doing bank shots, knocking his balls in. I forget whether he was solid or striped. It didn't really matter. Uh, he was going around everything else, knocking everything in, two or three real bank shots like it was absolutely nothing. Came up to the eight ball, finished it. I never got another shot. <laughs> now, I'm telling you, there's people out there who look for us to come out there because they know we're suckers. And they've been doing this for a long time, and that's all they do, and they look for people to come out. And this young man came out into the field, and they knew exactly what he was. He comes out here flashing his money, flashing his, flashing that, look what I got, look what I got, look at everything I got, and they just taking him for a sucker. That's what they do. You know what the, and, and his dad, wise father, just gave him, gave him his stuff. He knew what would happen. Uh, he spent all of his better pool players. There's better pool players. Better, oh, man, that chess player up at Great Lakes. I used to beat everybody. I, I was good at a couple. I don't play a whole lot of sports anymore, and there's reason for it, games. Uh, I, I gave up on that stuff. If you play games, I'm not condemning you for playing games. I just don't do it because I had some valuable lessons playing games. I used to be a, a really good chess player. I could beat just about anybody playing chess. I beat the whole chess team at high school, uh, and I never would play chess with them. They, they tried to get me on chess team. I just wouldn't do it. I, I, could, I could cream them. And I got up to Great Lakes, and I, I could beat everybody up there, and this guy walks in one day, just walks in, ca casual. And I'm in the chaplain, chaplain's office, man. Of all places for him to beat me like that. Uh, he walks in, and he wants to play a game of chess. And I'm thinking, yeah, this is going to be, yeah, I'm going to take him out. I'll just do. And this guy started playing a game of chess, and I had never in my life played anybody who played chess like this before. Uh, he started maybe first move or two moves in, something like that. He had command of the board. And once he got command of the board, I moved where he wanted me to move until he got me down to where it was going to be like four or five moves to checkmate. There was nothing I could do. I mean, this guy, I mean, he just walked me every, I'm sitting there going, I have to do what he's making me do. All of a sudden, this guy gets so, so arrogant and cocky about what he was doing that he, he made a mistake. And when he did, I was smart enough to catch the thing. And in two moves, I could put that guy in checkmate and there was nothing he could do about it. He blew it. Well, when he see, and he saw it too. And that board goes up in the sky and pieces fly all over the place and the Lord redeemed me and I didn't lose. And that, that guy runs out of the chaplain's office and about a half hour later he comes back in and apologizes for, for doing that. But he thought he had me and he did. He just got arrogant and he lost it right there at the end. You know, sometimes there's people out there just a little bit better than you. And you think you may know something, but man, I'll tell you what, they're out to take you. This young man lost everything. Uh, I, lost, I lost joy of everything. What, what I had to do in the Navy to learn how to be an electronic technician, I could never get that back when I left the Navy. There was a lot of places I worked that I was able to do and perform and do what I needed to do, but I could never get that drive back that it took because I knew it, it, it was around the clock, 24 hours a day. My mind had to be there, and I just couldn't find a place to put my mind back there anymore because I knew that no matter what you do, they're just going to use you. The world's going to use you. This young man spent all his living righteous. I wanted to get out of the world. I didn't want to go into it any further. You know, somewhere in your life, you got to come to the place where you're ready to get out of this thing. Now, it may take you years. It took me years to get out of it once I started. But I had to get back on a path somewhere to get out of this thing. The famine hit, and he was not ready. He done lost everything he had. He's broke. He's not back at his house. He's still at the place where he's at the far city, and he's broke. His friends all left him. You know, there's a lot of friends out there you'll have. As long as you have money, they'll be with you. But the moment you lose your money, they're gone. They're only there because they want to use you. That's they want to use you. You know what I love about the Lord? He never wants to use. Well, yeah, he does want to use you too. <laughs> Sometimes he really uses you. 
But boy, you'll be happy when he does. I don't know how that thing works like that, but boy, there's a joy that goes along with being used sometimes. Uh, when you're getting beat by him, or you're getting beat by somebody else, and you know that the Lord's hand's in that thing, there's a joy and a peace that goes along with that that you can't even, it's infathomable. I can't even tell you about that. You'd, you'd, have, to, you'd have to experience it. I've been through a couple times in my life where that stuff has happened, and I mean, it hurts, and you're getting beat up, and you know the whole world's falling apart, and you're just laughing inside. Because you know the Lord's right there with you, walking you through it step by step. He's got a plan. I like him having a plan. His plans are always better than my plans. Uh, I want to mention real quick that the lands over here is up for sale, the, the apartment complex right here. The, it's a, the whole thing is a mess, and, and hopefully we can get it uh, for a very reasonable uh, price. Uh, and if we can, it, it completes that whole front end, and no matter what we want to do down the road, uh, we, we had a, uh, an offer to pay for it cash, and somebody else said, hey, I'd like to get in on that too. So they asked me if I would put it out to the church. So if anybody wants to get involved in paying for this building, we, we bid 150 on it. If we get it, uh, uh, it, it pretty much the cash is there. But I'm telling you, if you want to get in on that thing, uh, there's a blessing that's going to be buying. We probably won't use that property for five or six years. But there's a lot of drugs that went through there. There's a lot of other stuff that went through the, that apartment complex that we just need to get out of our church parking lot and everything else. And, it, and even the real estate agent over there said, you guys need that piece of property. It belongs to you guys. Uh, Y'all need it. So I just wanted to say that to keep going. But a famine hit. The guy was broke. His friends left him. But one thing he knew how to do was work. Uh, you know, this young man, his daddy taught him something that probably uh, saved his life. Uh, he was willing to work, and he didn't mind doing just about anything. He guy's a Jew. And uh, working in a pigsty or a pig farm is, is the worst thing. That's the, the worst thing you could probably do as a Jew, and, and he did. He said he went to work feeding swine. Uh, verse, uh, verse 15 says, And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. The boy is so hungry. Verse 15 says, And he would fain have filled his belly. Fain means, means he was glad. He, he, he was pleased. He was rejoiced. He was, he was happy that he could eat the husk, uh, have some food to eat while he was there. Uh, I'm getting to This is all just precursor to the message, so hang in there for just a few minutes. Finally, he came to his senses. Tyler's message is how to get home. You know, sometimes we find ourselves away from where we should be, and we need to get back. Uh, it's hard telling uh, in our lives, in this crowd right here, uh, in the future somewhere, something could happen to you or anybody else, and, and you have to figure a way of getting back. And the only way you're ever going to get to the place where you can even start back, you've got to come to yourself. You've got to come to the realization that, hey, there's more, there's more, there's more. He says he finally came to himself. He finally realized something. He knew the father. He knew that his father, he said a couple things there. He says the father has hired servants, had bread enough to spare. He said the guy's working for my dad has more stuff to eat than I have out here in this pig field. He said they, they have enough, to, and they could give it away. They could give stuff away. He said this, that he was perishing. He goes, I knew I was perishing. You know, somewhere in your life, you got to get to the place where I love the book Pilgrim Progress. You'll hear me talk about that book all the time. Uh, the best book I ever read outside of the Bible when I first got saved was that book, and what it did is it set, in my mind, a track in my life, a, a path. I'm going from the, the city of destruction, which is the earth, to the celestial city, which is heaven. That's the direction I'm headed, and I've always got to keep that in my mind. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to heaven. You know what the devil wants to do is get your mind off on all this other stuff out here. 
And he'll get you off little by little by little, and pretty soon you're off the side. In that book, it's exactly what they'll get off, and they'll get off track, and they're way out here somewhere. And sometimes they get out here far enough, and they, they forget how to get back, and the Lord has to show them how to get back, and they get back. But you always got to look back. How to get back home. That's where you want to go is back home. The father, the father has servants. He was perishing. His needs, he had needs, and he had to be willing to repent. Most people, they say, oh, well, repentance is a work. Well, I don't care what you want to call it. Uh, you got to get to the place sometimes where you know that I'm wrong, and he's right, and I need to turn that, that thing around. It says he was willing to accept his punishment. He said, I'll go back to the father, and I'll be a servant. You know what I've noticed about uh, true Christianity? When, when people really get to the place where they meet Jesus Christ, they're willing to be a servant. They're willing. When you get a true meeting with him, all of a sudden all the other stuff kind of goes off the wayside, and you stop and say, look, I, I like the book of Job. I just read through the book of Job again. It seems like I read through that thing every, well, now I'm reading through it uh, four times a year, and the more I read through that book, here's a man, he's, at the end of the book he learns that God is everything and I am nothing, and without him I wouldn't even exist and the air I breathe and the ground I walk on and the food I eat and everything I do is what he gives me. And I'm sitting here and said, Lord, I can't do it. I just put my hand on my mouth and shut up. The best thing to do is just shut up and wait for you to tell me what to do and do it. And just shut up. Instead of sitting there trying to open my mouth and say stuff I shouldn't. Then it said he arose. The young man, it isn't just understanding you got to get back. It's making a movement. He came to himself and he said he arose. But... What I want to do is I want to talk about the father for just a few minutes. When the father was, go to Psalm 139. You know, the, the father knows you. He knows your condition. He knows everything about you. And what he's waiting for you to do is come to yourself. He's not here to, to, to meet every need. I've heard people, why would the Lord allow this in my life? He's not here to take all the trials and tribulations out of your life. He never was. As a matter of fact, sometimes he allows those into your life. So you, that, that, that prodigal son, he allowed that into his life so he could go out there and learn what the pigsty was. Have you ever been tired of the pigsty? Man, I am so tired of this place, I can't even tell you how tired I am. He went, he's a great way off. Verse 139, it says, Oh, Lord. This is my, probably my favorite psalm in the whole Bible. Outside of one Psalm 119, and well, the other 148 are pretty good too. It says, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down sittings and my uprisings. Thou understandest my thoughts afar off. And it just keeps on going like that and never stops. The psalmist is sitting there saying, Lord, you understand everything about me. Before I can even say it, you know it. Before I can think it, you know what I'm thinking. You know what he says? I just need to wait. He ends that Psalm, Psalm 139, the very last, the, let me read that last verse which is a great verse, uh, actually 22. I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know me. Try my heart and know me and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You know what, you know what the, the prodigal son is now learning? Is that, hey, my father knew some stuff that I didn't know. And that these people out here, they see me coming, and I was a mark to them. I was just money to them. And that's all they, money has to change hands in our society. It has to change hands. And they're trying to do, figure out any way to do it. If you come in with a lot of money, you know why people lose money? They say a lot of people lose money all the time when they go to the lottery and win all that money. And then they lose it real quick because they never, they never earned it. They don't know how to keep it. 
Uh, you got to learn how to keep it. Old money, they call it old money. That means if somebody's had that stuff for a long time, they know how to keep it and how to make it grow. He says, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. The Lord's always watching you. He's always watching everything we do. There's nothing you can do to get away from one. He's watching you. But he's not going to come and get involved in what you're doing unless you look at, let him come in. His father had compassion on him. His father ran to meet him. Boy, I tell you what, that's a blessing. Here he is, that young man is sitting there coming back, his head tucked down, his, his, his just walking, he, he stinks, he smells terrible, he's just walking back. You've heard the story a thousand times, not a million. He's walking back, he, all this problem, he stinks, and everything he says, man, my father will come back to my father, he's going to be mad at me, he's not going to love me no more, he's going to, man, if I could just be a servant, if I could just be a servant, I'll just turn myself into a servant, he won't even have to pay for me, I'll just, I'll just go out there and I'll work the fields, and for the rest of my life, my dad don't even have to, I'll just look up at the house every now and then, no, I used to live up there in that house up there, but I don't live there anymore. I'm going to live out here with the servants because I blew it. I blew it and I choked and I, I messed up. Not him. I did it. It wasn't my father. I did it. Boy, you can't really find anybody anymore to take the blame for anything they, don't, they do. They all want to say, oh, it wasn't my fault. It was somebody. Else. No, I'm sorry. It's your fault. It is always your fault, or it's my fault. I take the blame for everything. I like it in the Navy. Captain always said, anybody saying, I said, no excuse, sir. There is none. I had an old guy I used to work for, uh, Ken Tyree, and he, Mr. Tyree, looked at me one day and said, Elliot, you got an excuse for everything. I said, huh. Boy, that guy shut me down. I was only 17, 18 years old at the time. He shut me down. I said, that's it, man. From here on out, I ain't going to have an excuse for nothing. I'm just going to take the blame. His father had compassion on him. His father ran to meet him. His father fell on his neck. His father kissed him when he came back. You know what the boy had to do first is to turn his heart and head back to home. How you find your way home? You know what you have to do? Gary Duty wrote a song. He says, from a distance he was watching me, and I guess somehow he knew that in my heart I longed to be like him. Well, that was a great song. I remember when I first heard that song, Gary sung it, I thought I was going to die. I thought I was going to fall apart in the chair, man. Uh, I mean, it's because I could see in my father's eyes. He said, in time, we, the, in, in time, the closer we became, the more I seemed to grow I'd fall, he'd pick me up, and I'd try again. You know, Proverbs 24, 16 says, For the just man falleth seven times and riseth again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. You know what that little boy did out there? He fell, and he messed up. So many people say, oh, let him live. Let him just go out there and just let him do whatever he wants to do. Don't ever want to mess with him. No, the father was always waiting. You know God's waiting for you to come back? If you walk away from him, you know what he's doing? He's waiting for you to come back. You say, well, I've never met him. He's waiting for you to come. But boy, I tell you what, when he comes, the door is always wide open. Jesus Christ opened that door. This song goes on. He says, he loves me even when I do the things I shouldn't do. You ever done something you shouldn't have done? And when I fail to do those things I should, I heard it said that love is blind, and I've come to know it's true. He forgets the bad and remembers all the good. Amen. Boy, I tell you what, I've got enough bad in my life that if I brought all that stuff up, I could bring it up to him all the time. He goes, huh? Huh? I don't remember that. I don't remember that. As far as east is from the west, so far I've ever moved that since for me. He says, he says he's buried him in the sea, man. He goes, I, I don't remember none of that. What are you, what are you talking about? Amen. He goes, Mike, I forgot that stuff. I told you when I forgot it, I got an eternal forgetting machine, man. Gary, Gary goes on and sings the rest of his song. He goes, in my father's eyes, there's no wrong I've done. That prodigal son was sitting there, and, and he's away from his father, and he thinks his dad don't care no more. His father don't care. And his father's like, no, I do. 
You just don't think I do. And you let sin get into your life in such a way that it starts depressing you and you think that, oh, man, woe is me, woe is me, and everybody, hey, no, that's not true. The Father always wants you back. Always. I remember Mrs. Buffett, man. I wish y'all could have met her. They used to go sing to her all the time. She said she was Jehovah's Witness. I said, no, Mrs. Buffett, you're not Jehovah's Witness. Oh, yes, I am a Jehovah's Witness. Ah, you are not. She goes, how do you know I'm not a Jehovah's Witness? I said, you let me come into your house and preach at you. I said, a real Jehovah's Witness wouldn't even let me walk in the door. I said, you let me come in and talk to you. I remember talking to her. She was 82, I think, and she was dying. She's in a hospital. I went and talked to her, and she says, Mike, she goes, uh, you don't know what I've done. And I'm sitting there going, don't matter what you've done. She goes, Mike, I've lived a wicked life. I've wicked, wicked life. You don't know what I've done. I said, Mrs. Buffett, don't matter what you've done. I said, wouldn't it be cool, man, the devil have you his whole life, which he has? And right at the very last minute, you get a hold of Jesus Christ, and you trust him as your Lord and Savior, and, and you get saved, and then in heaven the Lord can take Mrs. Buffett trophy and sit it right there on one of his shelves and say, look at that lady right there. I, let, I said, I let the devil have her his, her whole life. And right there at the end of her life, I opened her eyes up, and she got in, and, and 82 years the devil had her, and I took her right away. Well, she didn't get saved that night. A couple of nights later, uh, I heard that another lady went in there and, and won her to Christ. You say, what is that? Some water, some, some sow, some reap, some water. I'm okay with that. I don't care. You know what I care about? Mrs. Buffett getting into heaven. You know what I know the Lord cared about? Mrs. Buffett getting into heaven. You know what Mrs. Buffett cares about right now? Being in heaven. I'll tell you what she cares about. I would care about that too. He goes on, he says, uh, uh, and when my life, and when this life is over, my last trial I've gone through, twill be worth it all to hear him say, well done. And maybe then I'll understand just what he saw in me. You will never understand that this side of glory. You can't do it. It's just impossible. Though I'm sure I'll find that he was blinded by the sun. Well, I met Jesus Christ one day in 1980 in Louisville, Kentucky, and he has changed my life. Amen. And I'm Jesus Christ, the Lord is seeing me. He says, I am the door if any man enter in. Jesus Christ opened a door 2,000 years ago, and when he revealed that door, I wish y'all could have seen my dad jump through that door that night. I mean, I'll never get over that till I get to heaven and get to see my dad again in heaven, knowing he was already there. But the door was open. My dad had went through that door and got saved, but he done messed up and tried to get back out the thing. He couldn't. And God opened the door and said, I'm going to come back and let your dad come back and have fellowship with me. And he opened that door up again, and dad jumped through that thing, lived the rest of his life trying to serve Jesus Christ. In my father's eyes, there's no wrong I've done. How to find your way back home. Number one, realize that there is a better place than this pig pen. <laughs> uh, if you think this thing down here is the best thing since peanut butter, you're going to have a problem. <laughs> there's a little girl one time, one of my favorite illustrations, a little girl was... Got a city girl. I mean, you had all this lights in the city. You can't see nothing. So they take her out to the country. Way, way out in the country. And she's looking up. And, and I was talking to the missionary. He said over in Scotland, it's that way. You can go way out in the country and no lights. You get rid of all the light pollution. And all you can see is the stars. She's seen the stars. And this is what she said. She says, she goes, uh, oh, mother, if heaven is so beautiful on the wrong side, what must it look like on the right side? Her eyes was looking up, and she was seeing the bottom side of something. And she goes, man, on the other side of that thing, it's looking. If you think this is everything... You're missing. What you got to do is say, hey, I want to go to the other side. I wanna, now, I'm not saying you got to go out and do something to yourself to get there, but, but you got to at least say, hey, I, I got to recognize there's another side to go to. There is two sides to go to. There's a heaven and a hell. And I definitely, I definitely don't want to go to the hell side. By the way, you're going to hell if you have never trusted Jesus Christ. It's an automatic thing. That from the beginning of time, the way home was always the same direction. 
It's always been to God. If you're going to get home, you got to go to God. you got to go to the Lord. And in 2,000 years ago, he made the perfect way. It doesn't cost us a thing today. John 1.19 says, if we confess our sins, the Father is waiting for us to make the first move. You know what the hardest part of getting saved is? Is making that move. I've talked to people over the last 43 years, and the hardest decision they'll ever make is to say, I need that. And I'm, I, people say, well, you come down here, and you, here's an altar right here, and you come down here, and you kneel down, and ask Jesus Christ. I think when, the first, when you stand up out of that pew back there, when you make that stand, right there is where you get saved. People say, why is that? Because that's where you sit there and say, I'm going to change. I'm going to trust Jesus Christ. I'm going to get up. When you start getting up, the hardest thing you'll ever do is just get up and go to him. And, but you make that first move. It says right here, if, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isaiah 65, 24 adds into that and says, and it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. The Lord knows, and he's watching. And he's saying, I want to save. I came to seek and save that which was lost. You got to know you're lost. You know what the, the prodigal son knew? He was lost. He was in a place he shouldn't be. I have to get up and go to where my father said go, and I'm going to go. The father rejoices when the son returns. I read those two verses over there in, in uh, 15 where it says, likewise in heaven. They rejoice when they see a sinner turn around. They see, brother, I'll tell you what, uh, you know what the Lord is looking for is sinners to repent. He already knows what we're up against. He already understands that stuff. There was a lady named Mrs. Charlene Elliott, no kin of mine. Uh, she was an invalid most of her life. Uh, a preacher came by, was preaching to her one time, and, and he started talking about salvation. And some people you, you start talking about, they get real offensive uh, because they think they know, and they really don't. And uh, really, it's between them and the Lord. It isn't between anybody else. But you, there never should be a, a point in anybody's life where if somebody comes up and asks you, your testimony is the most important thing you have. Uh, if you come up to, I've had walked up to people and said, "Hey, how did you get saved?" There's a guy in here uh, last week, last Sunday, and and I, he's been here before. Then me and him got into it one time. He took off. I, I actually hit him to the door. This was Monday through Friday, Wednesday or something like that, and I, I run him out of here. And he come back here the other day, and, and I said, uh, "Are you saved?" He goes, "I'm whole." Uh, I said, "What's that?" He said, well, come up here and let me show you. I've got, I said, no, 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 no. I said, I don't have time to look. I said, I got a Bible that says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Are you saved? He goes, I'm whole. I said, ask me if I'm saved. He goes, are you saved? I said, yeah, man, I trusted the blood of Jesus Christ and I'm on my way to heaven. He died for me 2,000 years ago, shed his blood at Calvary. I said, I'm saved. I said, are you saved? He goes, I'm whole. I said, you need to leave. You know what that is? That's a wolf in sheep's clothing, man. He's coming in here trying to deceive some people. He doesn't got it. He won't admit that he needs a Savior. He's not ready to come back. He hasn't realized his problem. This lady sit here, and, and that preacher was preaching, and he told her she needed to get saved, and she go, I don't want to talk about that right now. Okay. 14 years later, she meets him at a friend's house. The conversation with Reverend uh, Mullen uh, dealt with Charlotte's soul, and he said that he hoped that she would... would uh, that she was a Christian, she took offense at this, and she wouldn't talk to him for 14 years. When they met again at the house of a mutual friend, uh, Mrs. Uh, Elliot told the minister that ever since he had spoken to her, uh, she had been trying to find this, her Savior, and that she had now wished him to tell her how she could come to know Christ. And he said, just like you are. He said, all you got to do is ask. 
Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in thine heart that God had raised him dead, thou shalt be saved. That's all. It's a simple little thing. It's believing that Jesus Christ died on a cross 2,000 years ago, shed his blood at Calvary, was buried, rose again the third day, and opened the door to heaven, paid the price, and now all I have to do is just accept that, and it's free. 14 years later, she couldn't do nothing. She's an invalid. She wrote a song. Just as I am. That's where these songs come from. Without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. You know what this lady learned? I ain't going to sing the rest of it. She learned all you have to do is come. You know what you need to do today? You say, well, I want to get back. Or you say, well, this message don't apply to me. I'm already back. Well, what happens one day if you get away? There's always a way back. Never think that God's done with you. Never let the devil get to you in your mind thinking that he's done with you. He's never done with you. What the devil wants to do is play right here in our mind. That's where he plays. I got a book. I don't care what it says. This is what it says. I'm going to do what it says. I'm just going to believe it. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, come unto me. You know what that means? He's saying come. He says again in John 7, 37, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me. Are you thirsty today? He says come unto him. He doesn't say go to Buddha. He doesn't say go to Muhammad. He doesn't say to go to nobody else. He says come unto me. That me is Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. John 6, 37 says, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. That's a promise. He says, you want to get to heaven? Come to me. And he says, I'll get you to heaven, and you will never have to worry about it. I am a, a firm believer in once saved, always saved. You said, why? Because Jesus said it. I'm done with it. I don't have to try to think about it. If I think about it too long, I might even talk myself out of it. I said, I'm not even going to think about it. I'm like, Lord, that's what you said. When I get to your throne... And I stand before you. Actually, I'm going to be kneeling before you. I'll be right here. I'll be like this, and I'll be down like this. I'll be more like probably like this. And then Michael will grab me on the back somewhere and pick me up, and I'll get up. And I'll, stay, I'll try to stay down like this, but I'll get like this. And he go, Mike, why should I let you in heaven? I said, because you died on the cross at Calvary for me and shed your blood. And that's all I got. I don't have nothing else. That's what I trusted. That's what you told me to trust. And that's what I'm trusted. And if he says, Mike, I'm going to throw you in hell because you're a sinner, I would say, amen, amen, as he's throwing me in hell. And I'll, I'll look at him and say, I trusted you. And I think they'll all start laughing right about that point and let me on into heaven. You say, why is that? Because I trusted him. There's no, nothing else to trust. If you haven't trusted Jesus Christ today, you know what the best thing you can ever do is trust him. John, John, John had it all. Dr. Bob Jones Sr. told a story. He started getting senile up in age. You can probably hear me tell stories over and over again. I'm probably getting senile too. And he kept telling the story, and, and he said, when I was 13 years old, I, I heard an old preacher uh, preach about the man in Mark 2 who could uh, not get to Jesus, and four men took the roof off. You know the story. Lowered him down through the, the, the lattice of the roof. Uh, Bob, Jones, <laughs> Bob Jones, as a 13-year-old lad, knew if he couldn't get to Jesus, if he could get to Jesus, everything would be all right. You know, if you could get to Jesus, everything would be all right. 
The guy who goes on and tells the rest of the story says, he told that account nine times before he was done preaching. <laughs> I guess when you get senile, you forget what you're saying. Nine times later, this man, he didn't say, well, he's senile, he shouldn't be preaching. You know what he said? He said, he told the, the account nine times before he was done preaching and did not realize that he had done it. One thing was for sure that he knew what it take to find Jesus. Do you know what it takes to find Jesus today? You know, it's a simple little thing. That story in Mark 2, 3 says this, and they could, they, they could, and they came unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh unto, unto him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when he was broken, when it was broken up, they let him down and the bed, uh, let him down, let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy laid and he, Jesus healed him. You know what the prodigal son got when he got back? He got forgiven, and he got back in, and he got the ring, and he got the coat, and he got the fatted calf. And you know what the father's saying? Come. You know what Jesus says? Come. He says, come. Why? What are you waiting for? You know what the lost will say? I'll say to the lost, I will say this. If you die in the pig pen, you forfeit your home on high. Why would you die in a pig pen and not trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Boy, the greatest thing you could do is say, Lord. You say, well, I don't know if I'm saved. Well, then make sure you're saved. I've seen people. I was talking to one. one uh, I remember being on visitation one time. And, and uh, I was in this, went to this black lady's house, her grandma. And she wanted me to talk to her grandson. She just, I mean, she was just broken. She wanted her son, grandson to get saved. And I was with this other guy. And all he cared about was numbers. And, and we're sitting down. And I'm going through the Bible. We got the guy down on the knee. The grandma's on the knees. Me and the other guy's on the knees. The little black boy's on his knees. And we're going through the whole thing, and he believes everything I'm saying. And, and I get right to the end of this. I said, but, but you got to believe on Jesus Christ. He said, I did that. I said, when did you do that? And he told me. I said, well, you're already saved, man. I don't need to save you, get you, help you get saved again. You're already saved. I said, you need to work on eternal security. He goes, what? So I go, and the guy that I was with got mad at me because I wouldn't lead him to the Lord again. I said, why in the world would I lead that kid to the Lord again and confuse him? He already knows he's saved. What he doesn't know is what eternal security is. I said, once you trust Jesus Christ, it's done for all eternity. You know what? That grandmother, she shined like a light bulb. The little boy, the little light went off in his head like, oh, man, I didn't know that. The other guy got mad. You know that guy got locked up in prison for doing some weird stuff? Some people just do weird things, man. If you die in the pig pen, you forfeit your home. If you die in the pig pen, you've wasted your life if you're saved. If you're in here today and you're lost, you know the best thing you do today is trust Jesus Christ. If you're in here today and you're saved, the best thing you can do is say, I'm going to get back, and I'm going to get back, I'm going to get in, and I'm going to stay in. I'm going to stay in until the Lord comes back and get me. You know what I thank God about letting me do stuff around here? It keeps me out of trouble. I was thanking him the other day. I said, Lord, every time I get done with one thing, you give me something else to do, it keeps me out of trouble. You say, why, why, why would he do that? Because he knows I'll get in trouble. And you know what the Lord wants to do is keep you out of trouble. And the only way you can keep out of trouble is get in your mind, I am headed to the celestial city, and that's where I'm headed. And I'm not, that prodigal son, that's one of the greatest stories in your Bible. You say, well, I've heard it a thousand times. Over 2,000 years, if you'd have read it once a year, you'd have heard it 2,000 times. That book is an eternal book, and it's an eternal story about a young man who, who messed up and got back in. You know what I thank God for that? I said, Lord, one of these days I can mess up, and there's a way for me to get back in but you got to come to yourself. Every eye closed, every head bowed.
I'd just like to ask a question real quick before Joe comes and sings a song. Do you know for sure, do you know for sure today that if you died, you'd go to heaven? You say, well, yes, yes, I do know for sure, or no, I don't. If you, if you can't answer real quick, yes, I know for sure I'm going to heaven, then today would be a great day to settle that thing in your heart. If you're saying, well, I know I'm going to heaven, I'm just not living the way I ought to live, well, today would be a good day to settle that thing with you and the Lord and say, Lord, I just want to live the rest of my life for you. I really appreciate everybody in the room today. I really appreciate everybody that comes out to church. And Lord, we got a really good church, and, and Lord, I just want to thank you for everybody. But Lord, I know sometimes I get, get away and you get, get strung off to the side somewhere and have to get that thing straight and get back in. Uh, Lord, help, help everybody in this room. I just pray that, the, that they stay here today and at the end of this year we're still all here and that we got some other brothers and sisters with us. Lord, I do pray that you bless the, the song service and the invitation. And Lord, if there's anybody that doesn't know thee as their personal Savior, I just pray that you'd show them uh, that the way home is through the blood of Jesus Christ and that they would come home. Again, thank you for your blessings. We'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.